0: Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community, people just like you who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, Jason Lewis talks with his sister Callie as they continue our series, The Art of Losing. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Eastlake. My name is Jason, and I'm really excited to be with you today. Thank you so much for being uh, with us for the second week of the series, The Art of Losing. Um, This is my sister Callie. Uh, I've known her my whole life, <laughs> um, but um, really excited today. As you know, um, last week, Nate Stone kicked off our series, uh, The Art of Losing, with a message around why the world needs more failures. Um, and today, uh, I'm talking to my sister about um, the way that we each uniquely face forms of failure um, that sometimes aren't in our control. I think for most of us, we can fail due to lack of skill. Maybe it's lack of effort. Maybe it's bad luck um, or a sudden change in circumstances. But uh, for many of us, especially those of us that find ourselves as members of minority communities, there are elements of failure and struggle that exist in our lives that are outside of our control. And so today, I wanted to talk to my sister who, um, and dialogue a little bit about certain kinds of failure that we face um, as people of color, that she faces um, as a woman. Um, and that hopefully through this conversation and dialogue, we get people thinking about how they process their failures and how we keep moving forward. Um, so, first off, people don't really know you. So, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe tell people what you do, um, what your family's like, something like that.
1: Okay, cool um yep i'm jason's sister callie let me make sure you talk into the mic (laughs) am i talking into it yeah you're good okay i'm jason's sister callie and i just turned 30 so that's a big milestone for me um i'm a mom of two i have a six-year-old and an almost four-month-old so very exciting ages for both um me and my husband both work in tech and are working from home and we're just doing the whole virtual schooling pandemic life and um <laughs> so ready for it to be over.
0: Um I know that uh we talked about this a lot and one, thanks so much for being in here and doing this with yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for having it. me. I appreciate it. Um so uh one of the things I, I wanted to, to at least ask you just to start is like when you think back over your life, right? And your working life, academic life, family life. Um if you were to kind of walk through or at least think about like, where do you feel like you've had some of the largest failures? And if you want to maybe give an example of one or two of those,
1: um, like on kind of like around what you talked about around failing, yeah, when, well, I mean I mean anything moments, I think anything
0: right now. Anything. I mean I think yeah, just kind of where where are you experiencing fear that's like kind of like oh man, this is yeah, really yeah, hard yeah. or challenging or this has been a tough spot for.
1: I me. think motherhood's been a big one for me right now <laughs> yeah. because we're we're yeah. we're doing this virtual school. I'm supposed to be a teacher, a parent, a friend, like a playmate and I feel like every day I'm kind of like halfway doing all of those things. Right. So then you get to the end and i constantly telling my husband that like at the end of every day I'm like I feel like I messed everything up. And he's mm. like no, you're doing the best you can whatever. But Still, it just sucks. I can't wait to <laughs> send my six-year-old to day camp and feel like I'm at least killing it in some areas. Right. Um, marriage, it's it's is what it is. We've been married almost eight years. It's August, mm-hmm. um, really exciting, but so many moments where you really facing like your own faults in ways that you've messed up and things you thought were good ways of navigating the world that just are not.
0: So. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. definitely have that. As you know, your boy has been yeah. divorced, yeah. so <laughs> you know, failed a time or two myself. You're among a good uh, group. It's okay. A good group of <laughs> what? People who've gotten divorced.
1: Yeah, a lot of people get divorced.
0: Uh, it's a heartbroken group. <laughs> right, Any- right. Anyways, right. a uh, hopeful group. <laughs> so the, the point is that uh, that's been that's been tough. Yeah. Um, and then also to the parenting thing with Huck. I mean, he's yeah, yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. And such a sensitive boy. And I have all those spaces in my life where parenting is probably the most transient thing. What worked on Monday doesn't work on Wednesday. Exactly. And good Lord, it's just this never-ending game of trying to plug holes and hope Mm -hmm. that the love is getting through despite all the ways you need to also yes. raise them and the demands and expectations they have and responsibilities and, uh, and yeah. I'm
1: always hoping I'm not making some like terrible core memory. Like, you know, oh, yeah. when something so goes bad, yeah, like them. I'm like, is she going to remember that when forever? Yeah. Six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes I'll be tired. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to take you to do whatever. I'm like, is she going to remember that and bring that up when I'm like, you know, at her wedding or something?
0: Um, so the, the, uh, but the other thing is, is like what I want to ask you too is, is like we have those kinds of failure. I think lots of people have that kind yeah. of failure in their life. It's very, very common. And so the nice thing is, and I think that's part of what the community here is at East is mm-hmm. that we recognize that we're all humans striving, you know, to our best selves yeah. and to live in a loving and beneficial way in the world as individuals in our families, our communities and the places we work. Um, But there's other areas for some of us where, you know, failure shows up in ways that could never have been foreseen, Mm -hmm. um, where you have done the due diligence of doing your job. You have done what you believe your peers have done only to find yourself in a place so different from them, um, or at least viewed very differently. And then that experience, at least for me has felt like failure. Um, and so like, I can think of like, I can say this confidently, which is that at every single job I've ever held, any time I've had a success, a comment has always been made that the reason I got the promotion was because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. That's Someone has always said that yeah, at yeah, yeah. any job I've held. And simultaneously, when things have gone bad in lines of work, and I've said, you know, the odd part is, is in this way, it seems somewhat prejudicial. Mm-hmm. It could never be the case. Right. It's like. like, No, it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. It's so weird. So you can't. And then what's hard is is like you're trying to process after that the disillusionment around like why did I fail? Right. What happened? And it can feel really futile like you're trying to walk up a hill that you never get to the top of. And I'm just curious for you if you have any experiences like that and how those kind of what they feel like, what they've been.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think like I I had my first kid before I ever started working. So I've always been a working mom. Um, and that I think just in and of itself, being black, being young, being a mom was just such a challenge. I remember my first big girl job, I got this like prestigious internship at um, a big PR firm. And I was like, so excited. And it felt like out of a movie. Like, I couldn't believe that I got it. And My imposter syndrome was like at an all time high and (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, I got to go downtown and, you know, do the whole thing. And, but I was an intern. So I was making like, you know, nothing. And I was the oldest um, intern. I was like 25 and I was, um, I was a mom. So I was just like, this is, I didn't want anyone to know that I was a mom because I thought if they knew, then they would think that I wasn't as invested or I didn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are like my internal, like, you know, my internal thoughts around like what I am trying to overcome. Maybe that's maybe not what other people are put, like thinking about me, but I'm just worried about that because it's my first time in the corporate world. So, um, I start this job and I'm really excited and, and immediately I just, I just felt so out of place because of that. And I'm it's a three month long internship. And if you kill it, then they extend it another three months. So we're all just like trying to do our thing and we're working together and we're in this intern class. And some of these kids have gone to like USC and they've majored in PR. And, and I was still trying to even figure out what it was like while I was at the internship, I was just like, I don't even get it. I thought it was marketing. And it's like, not that it's kind okay. of, but it's not. So um, it was really like just, uh, it was hard. And then I remember um, in the middle of it, I was there for like a month and a half and Uh, my husband who played basketball overseas at the time said I got this amazing contract to go overseas and I really want to do it and we're huge dream chaser dream chasers and we really believe like you know if there's something you want to do you got to go do it so Mm -hmm. I was like go do it I'll stay here with our daughter and I'll finish out the internship and then if I get extended like I'm going to be here longer but like go to Japan we'll figure it out no worries and he leaves and then all of a sudden I'm you know, alone doing, you know, the nine to five thing with the kid, trying to go downtown, make it back, and I had to have a really difficult conversation and tell my manager, like, I need to have a hard stop at four thirty every day because I gotta get back to the east side to get my kid. And they were all kind of like, uh, I think legally they had to say you know oh that's fine but as it as weeks went by and I had to keep leaving at 4 30 I'm getting more and more comments like oh clocking out early like oh da, da, da. and it's like I'm not clocking out early I'm, I'm clocking off to clock back on as being a mom and even after picking up my kid nine times out of ten I was working until midnight once I put her to bed and I'm you know trying to get everything done and I remember one of the times working there I left at four thirty, and I said I really have to go and we were trying to finish something up for a client and I said, I can log back on once I get home, but I really have to go. And it was really clear that it was frowned upon. And in fact, my manager called me and said, we need to talk about this later on because you leaving at 430 every day just really isn't a good look. And um, I just didn't know what I what I could do. I was practically paying to work there with what I was making. And I was the only person that had a child and had this responsibility that I had to leave work for. And the fact that I felt like I could not be a mom and succeed in this world was just a hard truth I had to face. And I got to the end of the internship and they wanted to extend it. And I was like, I've had enough. I felt like a failure in that moment. Like, Mm. I have to quit. Like, I have to, even though I so badly wanted a career. Um, and everyone's like, how are you quitting? Like, we're so lucky to be here. And I'm just like, I can't do it. Like I have a kid and I'm, I'm coming home and I'm burnt out. Um, and I met with HR at the end and, um, I told them that I went through this experience and it was so hard. And among other things that I, you know, went through at this place and the HR person told me that, you know, sometimes you just have to work twice as hard to overcome these things. And I looked Hmm. at her and I was like, you're telling a black woman that I would need to work twice as hard to get to the same place that all my other you know interns my my classmates are are getting to that doesn't sit like this doesn't sit well with me that's the exact thing I'm trying to combat and not have to do and she was kind of like, yeah, well, I mean, I get what you're saying, but and it's just a bunch of backpedalling, and that was the end I mean I was leaving anyway, so um." yeah, in that moment, I felt like a failure. I felt like, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'm not cut out to be a working mom. I can't I can't I can't, you know, juggle everything.
2: hey, everyone. It's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is, gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point, and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that, in our own everyday world. Um, So I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we wanna say thank you to you. Everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say, I value this place, I want it to exist for me and for other people, and so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are. Um, that you do that and for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so if you find this place beneficial if you find these messages helpful for you then um, consider joining us in that way you could go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist so thanks again for tuning in let's get back to the message
0: and i think that's one of the things for sure that like People that have those kinds of roadblocks and those kinds of failures, I think that's where we have to pay attention to the broader world and be aware that like, especially when we're meeting people that are having challenges, like the way those kind of failures impact your view of like your capacity and your idea of your own worth. And even just the internal notion of like, what are you really capable of? Mm. Those kinds of failures are different than like, I'm this guy. Like if I show up and I work super hard at something and I'm like, Hey, I'm doing this. I've set a goal. We're going to go hard. When I lose at something like that, I actually walk away from it, like maybe bummed because I didn't win or I didn't succeed as well as someone else, but I feel good about the effort I put forth. Right. And I feel like, you know what? Yeah, maybe you didn't win this time, but you got a shitload better and you may in turn eventually end up quite capable of doing this thing. It just may take you longer, Mm -hmm. but I don't go through the kind of internal value stuff. As when I show up and factors that are outside of my control become Mm -hmm. places where I can now impact my success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's all of a sudden where then I start to go, do you belong here? Those kinds of questions. And I think that's the really hard part for people, I think, especially if you're in dominant culture to understand, is that especially women in the workforce, especially people of color, um, especially members of the LGBT community, that there is the experience that we have to fight twice as hard. right? And that if when we go through moments where we're passed over or where we're treated as you are or where we're not viewed as equivalent with our peers, we're not taking that at, I mean, I think for most of us, it hits us in two places. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. one place of, oh, I failed and that doesn't feel good. But then it also hits in the place of, am I good? Yeah. Do I belong? Am I enough the way I am? Mm-hmm. Because right now, what this person's kind of saying is, no. right? And that's where it's like, So it's not just that I might need better skills, but also that I kind of need to be a different person. Yeah,
1: I felt that way. I felt like going into the next opportunity, it's like I I really messed up. Like I couldn't disguise my mom aspect of me enough um, to succeed and to be someone that like got the job done and was looked upon highly. You know, I felt like I was always like, oh, well, she has a kid, so.
0: Right, right. Now, the other thing that, I think is interesting too is is that maybe a little bit of background about your husband and some of the experiences that he's had because I can even specifically think of one where you know just going in for a job interview yeah. and how he was treated to me it was like it like broke my heart and bummed me out and that's a form of failure I think all of us know what it is to try to get work right to try to Make your life better to take a shot and to put yourself out there and really kind of have to advocate for yourself. But I think you know if you want to talk a little bit about what experiences are like for him, yeah. um, being who he is and where he's from, what that's like walking into those rooms, I think is also really interesting.
1: Yeah, my husband is um, Senegalese. We'll talk a little Ooh. closer this way. I want to get to okay. this part. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is a Senegalese West African. Immigrant and he uh, moved here, I think, when he was about 18. English is his fourth language. Um, He's 7'1, former professional athlete. So he's accomplished so many things in his life already and gotten to make a lot of dreams come true. Um, I think once we realize like we're both going to transition to the corporate world and what does that look like for, for me or for him? We started having a lot of conversations and I realized like we're in two very different places. I didn't grow up like our parents didn't work in the corporate world per se. I mean like our stepdad was like a professional and but my mom was a stay at home mom, but kind of different. Like we didn't have like managers and those no. kinds of things. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that lingo and, and how that all works and stuff. Um, But it's really easy to pick up on, obviously, because, you know, English is my first language. And once you're thrown into it, you kind of figure it out. And then I think for my husband, for Aziz, having English be a fourth language and having the U.S. just be, you know, just is what it is. It's so big. It's so different. Um, Going into that work environment, all of that was a new language in and of itself as well, like crafting emails and all of it. I mean, I remember starting my internship and hearing people talk about work the way they do, and I'm like, "What are these words? I've never even heard. Like, why is everyone calling yeah, PowerPoint like a, a deck? Like, yeah, that it's jargon. A jargon that you
0: have to know. And they kind
1: of correct you to, and they're like, oh, "You mean deck? And I'm like, "I mean PowerPoint. Uh, PowerPoint is good yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I think. Um, how to navigate an interview and how to convey like your intelligence in a way that's palatable for those people that are, that are interviewing you, which a lot of times is not people that look like you. So that was really hard for the both of us. Like, cause it's a lot of times it's me and him like trying to figure it out. Like whether we're moving overseas or we're having kids, whatever, it's me and him like, okay, what's the plan? What are we going to do? So when he started job hunting and it felt like This is his experience, is nothing like mine. We're kind of going back to the drawing board, like, okay, what do we need to do? And I think that was difficult because we're having to face the fact that he didn't have growing up in Senegal that, like, you know, you're in some ways seen as a second class citizen because of. everything i already just mentioned yeah Um, you're
0: not a native english speaker right you're an immigrant right right you're also extraordinarily tall right and you are a big presence exactly and i think it is a combination of intimidation unfamiliarity Mm -hmm. bias yeah there's so many things that like aziz being such a warm kind and gentle person even still Because of that presence and difference, if you don't have the open mind to go, you're going to show me who you are, and I'm going to be open to recognizing that you probably are something other than what my brain is trying to to tell me, then you miss him, I think.
1: Yeah, and there was, exactly, I think you, you, it's so easy to miss out on who he is, I think. And so there was times where I would say he'd, you know, be interviewing and, We'd be like A-B testing. Like you'd be like, okay, I interviewed this way or my resume looked like this and these are the results I got. And then I'd be like, okay, you know what? Maybe let's just like call out, you know, your accent from the top of the call, like because obviously it's on their mind and they're wondering. Like, let's just bring it up in the beginning. So he'd kind (laughs) of say like, like I'm sure you noticed my accent, like you know, because when they're doing the phone screen, that's all you got to go on. So they'd be like, I'm sure you noticed my accent, like I'm from Senegal, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, maybe you know, and and some people would be like, oh, that's so cool, but a lot of people had no idea where Senegal was, and it just is like, okay, it's like some random thing, but um. I was like, you know what, and kind of like playing in, sometimes I think this about myself as well, like what, not privileges, but what do you have that, that the other person can relate to and that makes them feel more comfortable? Yeah, true. And sometimes it's, like I hate to say it, but sometimes like what is like a little closer to whiteness that, is, that could get your foot in the door, you right. know? And so I would say, you know what, French is his, the official language of Senegal and it's a language he speaks fluently let's just call out French. I think that that is like maybe something that other people will know and they're, they're familiar with. And so he would say that like, Oh, I'm sure you, you know, you might notice my accent. Um, I speak French. The accent's not necessarily French, but it's, those two things are true. And it's like, that might, you know, make someone a little bit more at ease or like, Oh, he speaks French. Like, Oh my gosh, like I speak French or I'm French or whatever, you know how people are. So, um, that worked really well. And it got people a little oh. bit more comfortable. Like, oh, like, that was interesting. Or I was wondering, or, oh my gosh, you or, speak like, French. I took French in 10th grade. Right, I took a couple right, of years of right. French. Like, that's you know? so cool. Oui, oui. Yeah.
0: Uh, no French, no offense to any French people, but, like,
1: but that but is but It is. And thing, people yeah. like to see themselves in, in other people. It makes them feel comfortable. And um, I just thought, like, you know, maybe this is something that's a little bit more relatable. It was a hard conversation to have with my husband because I don't. I want to be celebratory of who he is at his core.
0: But you also want him to succeed, right? And that—that's the, the thing that I, I think is so tough. And that's part of why I wanted to have this conversation was to like talk about maybe kind of the, maybe the the last and larger final piece, which is that experience of going. I know you to be valid and good, mm. and I know you to be valuable, capable, intelligent, and have the capacity of anybody around you the world might not see that. Right. And and I still want you to succeed. I think even describing that process of having to AB things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of having to try to find something in yourself that's going to connect with the audience instead of going, "We live in America, which is the right. most diverse country in the world. Get ready to see something and experience something that you haven't." Mm-hmm, Get mm-hmm. ready to see People with alternate genders, alternate sexes, alternate races, alternate languages, like just get ready for that. That's just what it is yeah. here. And when you don't have that, it's it is a feeling. I think for myself, it's like feeling left outside the family. Yeah. You know, like a thing happens inside a black culture and I always feel isolated in it. You know, even in my own work, I'm like, what yes, I'm experiencing, yes, yes. what I'm doing, whatever. And then it's same thing when we walk like a, you in. You mean
1: like a tragic event or something?
0: Or yeah, or even like, yeah, and exactly. Or like even if, and I feel that in so many ways, and especially when it comes to what we mean with success, like mm. when we talk about the way people parent and mm-hmm. how that's mm-hmm. viewed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how black parenting is viewed um, and how like communal raising of a child yeah. versus singular raising of a child, right? Or even the ideas of like the way that you know, jobs work. Like when I showed up to interview for my job, I was the only person of color. Yeah. So when I'm sitting in a line of 20, you know, men and women who are, you know, white, there is the sensation of like, boy, I really feel this pressure to have to like ball out and like really, you know, hit it. But the, but the thing I'm trying to highlight is, and that's what I hope you can speak to, which is those moments in your life, in your career as a mother, As a wife, as a person who works in business, how are you processing those failures Mm -hmm. or that feeling of failure like you did when you were young? Mm -hmm. What have you taken from that now and how do you continue to move forward? Because I think it's one thing to tell someone, hey, you know, just like just keep trucking. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) You know, like that that has a certain level of help, but at a certain real part, it's. It is painful to the people undergoing it and you get enough, you know, beats. It's very easy to see people maybe in history like a Martin Luther King or like a whatever or, you know, watch Pursuit of Happiness and just be like, you just have to work harder than everyone else and do the impossible (laughs) and you will, you know, so it's like how do we actually meaningfully acknowledge the fact that people are going through these kinds of pains and these Mm -hmm. kinds of failures. And what have you been doing? What's worked for you to help move you through some of those, those tougher spots?
1: I think, um, as you get farther out from your failures, it's easier to measure success in your, in your failures and look back and be like, okay, I failed, you know, at the internship, but previously I wasn't even, considered for internships or I failed in this way and and it doesn't work for everything. It's not going to make you feel great, but it is important to stop and look and say like this actually, even though it was a failure, what, what was the success in it? Because I've gotten like where I've gotten rejected from jobs and it's like, but they brought me on site and they're like a, you know, fortune 500 company and they never would have been interested in me before. So it's like, no, I would have wanted to get the job, but it's still a step in the right direction so i think that's important so kind
0: of like trying to i would say maybe condense as like notice try to not just cast away the little wins right like try to actually yeah. take a second to acknowledge the little wins yeah just so yeah. you don't get so beat down right okay totally
1: um and i think what was your other question
0: no just anything that you have you've done things that you've done when it's gotten really hard yeah when you felt like you feel um, what have you told yourself? i mean what's this
1: the- this is kind of like privilege, but if you have the opportunity to leave a situation, leave the situation. I think as black people, we can be like, oh, we don't want to quit. We don't want to be the one that, you know, just kind of throws our hands up and is like enough. Like you said, you want to hit it out of the park. Don't don't try to do that every time. Like if it's not working and you're not being accepted for you are and you're not being celebrated and they don't see the value in you, do what you can to find a new situation. Um, it doesn't always mean the next one's going to be the better one necessarily. I've done that before where I've just been like, (laughs) I need to just get out and then you get to the next thing. You're like, whoa, this was worse. (laughs) But, I do think it's important to... But um, you knew
0: you had to be on the move. Yeah, it's, it's important yeah.
1: to keep moving and to not feel like if I st- walk away from this, like I'm the failure. It's like, no, sometimes it's it's a win to say like, this isn't for me. And mm. I can say that and I don't need to wait until they're like mm. basically pushing you out the door.
0: So so maybe that one, you, you could even think of it like, you know, just realizing like don't... Sacrificing yourself yeah. isn't always... Because yeah. they'll
1: try to make you feel like you're lucky to be there. And yeah. if you internalize that, you, you'll lose yourself and you'll you'll allow yourself to be mistreated in so many other ways that you wouldn't otherwise normally.
0: I, and that I think it happens in everything. It yeah. happens in relationships, that yeah, happens in yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. And I think that's one of the hardest things is to get to that place. So it there is, it sounds like a little element of like self care and self love. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, hey, you have to realize that you're valuable enough to be treated well. Mm-hmm. If this situation ultimately doesn't treat you well, you have to respect yourself enough to go, right. there needs to be a new situation. Right.
1: And it doesn't always come up right when you want it. Right. And you know? recognize and that I people get that. sometimes
0: have burdens or responsibilities yes. where it's, it's very difficult to you transition. To yeah. but, but I do think that's also, I think that's super important is to see yourself as worthy enough to go like, you know what? I got to do something. Mm-hmm. I got to start at least planning, plotting, looking, yes. trying to find a way to... A more sustainable and affirmative place. That's yeah. brilliant.
1: Yeah. Um. But I think that's really what it is for me. In the moments that I've, and just paying like paying attention to the lesson. I really do think that's important. I know it's like kind of cliche, but for me, I do feel like that everything does happen for a reason. I really feel that way because when I look back, everything just seems to make sense. And so sometimes when you are failing really trying to grasp like what is this lesson because the sooner i learn it then maybe i won't have to revisit it again mm. you know and i, with I think the you're example, really good at that
0: i'm terrible <laughs> i will just smash my head into a wall over and over again like no it can't possibly be this way so, with the
1: example of like trying to hide being a mom i really thought that was the way yeah. and i f- was like maybe that's not it maybe like I need to go the opposite yeah, way. Yeah, you're the most, embrace. now you're the most
0: swagadelic mom <laughs> in like the corporate world. You walk in and people are like, well, they want to see this project. Well, I won't be. I'll be home with my children. <laughs> like, I know, but I love it. Like now that's, but I love that that's maybe the the, the last piece, which is yeah. I think also trusting that your standard, mm-hmm. your standard of how you will be treated and yeah. the boundaries around what it is. Then when you lose or you win, mm-hmm in some way you've ultimately won because you've had your integrity. Yeah, You've yeah. kept it. Was and I think that yeah. if we want the world to change, if we want people to see people as worthy of respect, then you sometimes have to kind of stick your foot in the ground yeah. and go like, well, this is how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um and I again, it's
1: so hard, it's so scary. I've had to do it so many times and people are like, "Oh my god, how do you have the guts to do it?" It's like I don't, but I have to because I have a kid at home.
0: So it's kind of that courage thing a little bit yeah. too of just being like I'm. I'm scared, but I'm just gonna be brave right. because the other alternative is I'm hurting my kid exactly, or I'm hurting or myself sacrificing yourself. Yeah, you know. So I I totally agree. I think the only thing I'd add to just my own experiences that I think when I have found myself in those places, I think I try to remember that like. My value, it's just so hard to, but I Mm -hmm. try to remember like my value flows from something far greater Mm -hmm. than just like, who says, like what another human says. I am, I, I think, I try to go, your failures are, if you truly fail, it's tied to something far more sophisticated and far more important than, oh... Johnny, who's the what? junior director, blah, blah, thinks you don't have it mm-hmm, in you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's Johnny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not saying that I know everything, but I definitely feel like you have to get to a point where you know enough about yourself to go, and my value, my worth don't come from whether Johnny thinks mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the best. And even on a, on a spiritual note, I think it's also the recognition that for most of us, I think we do recognize that our value um, starts out being... In an infinite space, mm-hmm. that like you have a new baby, she's mm-hmm. four months old, she has yeah. not accomplished anything, yeah. right? But you're already aware, like, your value yeah. is so unbelievably inherent. Mm-hmm. And it is weird how over time the world will tell you and come up with all these labels for you and have all these standards that you need to meet and you have to unless you're your not going to be, a, yeah. yeah. And I think that's another thing is to meditate, at least in when we talk about the spiritual element of failure and success. It's also important to recognize like failure in some ways is tied to our concept of value. Mm-hmm. But if we experience mm-hmm. ourselves of value valuable, and I think you're better at this than, than I am, is your ability to take a failure and hold on to your value. Mm-hmm. Then you're able to much more quickly go, OK, what's the lesson? Because you're not taking it on you. You're not internalizing it going like, I Callie. I'm over. you're like, whatever it they didn't like. Well, it. only I-
1: because I think I have really worked to condition myself and I I really believe in that. Like trying to as hard as it is, condition yourself that when you see failure, like almost come to expect it. And when you see it, know that like you you are growing. It, it for me it is growth. So like when I see something I'm like, oh that's scary or oh I don't want to do that or I'm afraid or you know or i failed at it it's like that is growth and the more that i can remember every single time and condition myself to feel to associate failure with growth then it takes some of the emotion out of it for me
0: that's that's awesome um well i i don't know that i have a bunch more questions and we've actually talked for 3 minutes cuz you me so nice hanging out i know <laughs> <laughs> but um i do think it's just the start to this conversation and i think especially for people of color, um, for women, for minorities of all kinds, and just anybody as well, that when we f- find ourselves in those positions where the failure um, is out of our control, where there's trends and forces that are larger than us working against us, whether that's bias, whether it's prejudice, whether it's just just bad vibes or you know bad timing or um, whatever a person's perspective is that might be small or closed-minded, it is still important to recognize your own value It's important to continue to see the ways that you are growing despite your failure. And I think it's also important to remember that your capacity to do something in the future and to win in the future isn't reliant upon this one circumstance. To find spaces where you're celebrated, to find those people who actually recognize your value. And if you can't, try and change your direction to head those ways. And I think as we do that, the way failure presents itself in our lives, especially for those of us who face that, it becomes a lot more sustainable and our ability to continue to fight on to our best lives and our best selves is greatly, greatly increased. So thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, me. I love you a ton. Love you too. And thank you guys and I hope you have a great week. Take care. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.